made way too much money last year from YouTube mm -hmm. since it was like around thousand dollars a month. So over over a thousand dollars from that. And then I was trading stocks in crypto. I cashed out over fifty thousand dollars from that. You cashed out that fifty thousand. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap, dude. Okay. So how did you make this thousand dollars? Is your wife on board with you on all of this? And has she always been on board? Um, <laughs> well, so <sighs> what is up guys, Jason here. Welcome back to the channel in our series, nurses to riches, the road to fire. Today, we're going to heavily focus on finance. We'll talk to a nurse named Brian who has two side hustles. One is real estate and a YouTube channel where he used to talk about stocks and cryptocurrencies. However, he now teaches financial skills to nurses and we'll talk to Brian about his job, how much money he makes and how he manages his money. We'll also talk about his side hustles, his net worth and how much money he has left over after paying all of his expenses. So Brian, where are you from and why did you decide to become a nurse? Hey, Jason, thanks for having me on the channel. I am from New York. And what was the second question? I'm just so Why excited did you that decide I to become a nurse. <laughs> oh, so if you can't tell, I'm Filipino. So <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, so my, so my, my parents, like, here's like the full story. Yeah. My parents, Filipino, both of them, they came here, worked as nurses. And when it was time for me to go to college, they were just like, I told them, I don't know what I want to do. They're just like, put nursing on your major for any of like the SUNYs here. And then if you don't like it, just go on and do a something else. But by the time I said, maybe I don't like it, it was like sophomore year. I already went through two years of schooling, two years left. That means I would just finish while everyone else is still trying to figure out stuff. And then I finished with my degree. And then from there, I was like, why stop there and just get the job and find the stability that they kept preaching as typical Filipino parents. <laughs> and when was this? What year? Uh, I graduated in 2011. Oh, okay. So you've been a nurse yeah. for what? 13? No, 12, 12 years, right? Like 12 years? Yeah. yeah like yeah, 12 years. Dang, it's been that long. I know, right? You know, I say the same thing to myself all the time. I've been a nurse since 2012, and I still can't believe it. Time flies, right? It does. Especially over the last couple of years, it seems like it's just going faster and faster. The last few years are just a blur, right? especially with like yeah. the pandemic and all that. Absolutely. I, I, <laughs> I know. I agree. And okay, so where did you start working and where do you currently live? So... I live right outside of New York, well, in the suburbs outside of New York. Okay. But then my first job was, since I didn't get any hospital job right away, I ended up working at like a subacute care facility that specifically took care of developmentally disabled uh, population, which I actually, for some reason, loved mm -hmm. because all the like the residents there were so just like purely joyful that you're helping them kind of thing. Yeah. But then obviously being super local and the pay wasn't that great, like getting what, like a maybe $1,000 every two weeks. And then after that, since my parents, like I said, are both nurses, they were working at Mount Sinai at the time. So they got me in there. Mount Sinai. You're the second nurse that I've interviewed who's worked at Mount Sinai. <laughs> and you know what? Monica, yeah. my wife, she actually used to work there also. Small world. Yeah, we yeah. probably crossed paths at some time. <laughs> so what unit did you work in at Mount Sinai? So I first started on heart failure. And then after like four or five years, I switched over to electrophysiology. So just even more specialized cardiac, pretty much. Okay, so describe what an electrophysiology nurse actually does, because I don't really know what they do. So all the rhythms that your heart goes through. So obviously you got your normal sinus, and then you go through, you could get AFib, a flutter, V2, 
PT, PVCs, VF, all those, that's where the specialty of EP comes in. You have to look at it like cath lab are the plumbers and EP electricians. So we're messing with the electric of your heart, trying to get you back into the normal rhythm. So what I do is I'm not in the procedure rooms as often anymore, but when I was, we would help during the procedures, putting in pacemakers, ICDs, helping with ablations to get rid of all these arrhythmias. But now since I'm older or vested, <laughs> I'm now just like charge nurse every day. Just I know the feeling. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> it's a little bit better. You know, that's the beauty of being a seasoned nurse. It's the fact <laughs> that you get to choose where you want to work and what you want to do, right? Exactly. I still go in the rooms and stuff. I love doing that because you work so closely with the physicians are so like on first name basis with everybody, anesthesiologists are with them. And then the techs, everyone is like, you could just see how the team should work. Whereas like if you're on like a regular unit, probably like where I was working before, everyone's like a, you're on your own kind of thing. Just get to the end of the shift where this one is like, you just got one patient that we're working on. Everyone's there for that one patient, super teamwork. Let's do what we have to do and on to the next one. So what does your work schedule look like? So it's three days a week usually since we don't have weekends or holidays but they're 12 hour shifts. So that works out really well. And like, technically you're supposed to have like a fourth day for some reason, it's like a terrible. Yeah, but being able to work three days a week and not have to work the holidays is pretty nice. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Very huge. Especially when you have kids, right? Yeah. I have two kids. Like one is a little, like two and a half and the other one's like 11 months. Yeah. And the whole, like, we rely on like my parents and like family members to babysit, but when they can't, knowing that me and my wife are both nurses and we could split up our schedule. Yeah. So someone's always home. We don't have to pay for babysitting, which saves us a lot of money, but obviously it kills our like energy and time. <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. So how much do you make at this job? Right now it's anywhere from 1600 to 1800 a week. I forgot Mount Sinai pays you weekly, not bi weekly. Yep. That's so pretty decent. You know, that's about $3,200 every two weeks yeah right. so like a little bit more than six grand over the month i guess mm -hmm. but like the reason why mine is a little bit um higher than usual is because currently right now i decided to not contribute to my 403b because I feel like I could do oh, a lot more dude. with my money. Than... Well, okay. I will talk about that. We'll talk <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. that. Okay. I get where you're coming from. I get it. Because there's a lot of people that I've followed over my time with personal finance. And one of them is Alex Ormosi. I don't know if you know who he is. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how you could invest, let's say, 10% of your income or 15% of your income into an S&P 500 index fund or your 401k and just contribute a small portion of your income towards that. Or you can contribute the same amount towards learning a new skill and monetizing that new mm -hmm. skill or investing in something that you can turn into a business. So I think everyone needs to turn off their 19-year-old finance expert hero and stop trying to you know, invest in the S&P 500 and invest in the S&P 500. <laughs> I still invest in my 401k. Don't get me wrong. I max out my 401k, but mm -hmm. I'm more focused now on investing the majority of our income into growing our brand. So when a lot of people talk about retiring early and being financially independent, I don't know if you heard of like the R Rich Journey couple. Yeah. Fugians have watching them. They're just fun to watch. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so what they did was saved up like over 50% of their income while they work in their W2 jobs. And sure, they invested in their 401k, but you know what? At this moment in time, 
time, that's not what they're relying on. They retired early, but they're relying on their like brokerage account investments. They're relying on real estate investments and sales from their courses that they have, their YouTube yeah, income. True. It's all of these other side hustles that actually made all of this money for them that allowed them to retire early, which just working a W-2 job and investing in your 401k or your Roth IRA. Sure, that's great. I always use it as a form of protection in case everything else fails, but it's not what's going to get you to like massive amounts of wealth, right? The whole protection thing you just said mm -hmm. is like the biggest thing. It's yeah. like the hedge for the future. And if the pandemic showed anything to anybody, there's so many nurses that were ready to retire probably right before and during the pandemic. But then once that stock market and crypto crash hit, their retirements are gone. Oh, yeah. Especially if they didn't pay attention to putting it into a safer one, if they kept it aggressive throughout. Oh, because everyone was making money in the stock market at that time. They saw their like million, $2 million portfolios that they've worked 35 years for all of a sudden turn into like 600K just because that crash is huge. And right now we're still like teetering and it's like, uh, I don't like, and they're like, oh, we'll come back. I was like, yeah, I'll come back in 30 years <laughs> like to where it was. Yeah. Like if you didn't have anything else before that, you're, I feel sorry for you because I know a lot of these people are like 60 or 65. They're probably going to work till they're 70 just because they're hoping that their retirement account could get them to where they want to be. But now you're also hoping that your health is going to keep up with you. It, it's a sad thing. Like if you don't have like the financial literacy to get you to where you want to be hopefully earlier than retirement. Now that you mentioned that, I told this story before, but I work with this nurse who during, you know, when everybody was profiting from the stock market and cryptocurrencies. She thought it would have been a good idea to not pay taxes on her paycheck and go completely exempt the entire year and use all of her extra earnings to put it into Shiba Inu coins. So just imagine what happened when all of that tanked. Okay, she owed about $80,000 in taxes. She made over like 300,000 or something like that. So she owed over 80,000 in taxes. And on top of that, she lost all of her earnings from her Shiba Inu investments. So now now, at this point, what she has to do is pick up as many extra hours as she can so that she can pay back the taxes that she owes. Taxes. Yeah, because selling her Shiba Inu coins wouldn't get her anywhere. So she has to do it some other way. And the only other way is for her to just pick up a lot of overtime. So she is always at work now trying to pay back those taxes that she owes. And like, I'm not going to lie, a lot of my wealth was yeah. like swing trading all those like, yeah. I'm not going to curse on the channel, but like poo coins pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Because it was so easy to make money, but I was making a lot of money off it. But if they ever did drop to like infinite zero, that means you can't sell it. So there's no liquidity. So you can't even tax loss harvest anything. So you're just stuck with a crazy tax liability if you can't negate the losses exactly. that you probably had. Yeah. And that like that story, that, yeah. that sucks. That really does <laughs> suck because yeah. that hurts. <laughs> okay. So now I want to get straight into these side hustles that you have. So Describe to me the side hustles that you have and how much you're earning on these side hustles. So from, we talked about the social media one, like uh, YouTube, I have like, I don't know, I used to have like 30,000 subs. And ever since I switched to like niching down yeah. and going from stock picks, crypto picks to just, I just wanted to educate more because I, I find more love in doing that. But then once I started doing that, um, my like subscriptions dropped a significant amount, like probably lost like 6,000 subscribers. But wow. last year at like the highest monthly was around like 10K a month doing that. Wait, was that and th from AdSense revenue? It was like a mixture of AdSense revenue and like uh, affiliate marketing and all that. Mostly affiliate marketing, to be honest. My channel was blowing up. So a lot of people were like, oh, if you could just show my brand, do this. And I was like, okay, let's, let's do that. And then like, it was like around 10K overall. But now with the whole niching down, I'm barely scraping the 
barrel, like a hundred, 200 bucks because they saw the change in views. I was getting anywhere from like 30 to hundred K views. And then now if you look at my channel, it's like 60 views. <laughs> okay. First I want to mention the reason why you blew up so fast is because, and I see it now, a lot of people say that I'm blowing up fast, but I don't feel it. I don't feel it at all because I look at other people in the finance space and I'm like, damn, they're really blowing up. Right? So I see people like I mentioned before we started recording people like Joshua Mayo and even mm -hmm. nurses, right? There's some nurses that are talking about finance now. And one of them is, I don't know if you've watched her videos, but it's called Journey with the Hintons. And oh, yeah, I have. she's I always that. talking about this side hustle, that side hustle, all these side hustles that have nothing to do with nursing. And she's not catering to nurses anymore. Mm -hmm. She's just talking to people who want to make money. And people are yeah. so obsessed with wanting to make money the fastest way possible. Fastest way possible, dude. Right? And if you really wanted to milk it and you really wanted to make a lot of money and not really truly be passionate about educating people because you really want people to succeed in life, then you could just make a ton of videos about side hustles and eventually blow up, right? Just like all these other people because that nurse in Journey with the Hintons, she was a nurse practitioner before she started making these finance videos. And she's making like 60,000 plus per month. It's, it's insane. <laughs> and like, that's, that's the thing. That's uh, so I'm not going to lie when I was doing like the stock picks and yeah. crypto picks and I was just looking for whatever's trending the most yes. and I would make videos on yeah. them, giving my thoughts on it. And did it fulfill me? Absolutely not. But did it fill my pockets? Yeah. It sure did. Yeah. And then I did not, to be honest, I did not like the feeling of making money off that because then I was like, oh man, um, I'm giving stock picks and I'm also investing in some of them, but yeah. it felt weird yeah. doing it. And it's not something that I wanted behind my name anymore. Yeah. So I was like, nope, I just want to teach how to do this the proper way. And nursing is the most honest profession. So I wanted to bring that back to yeah. who I am as a person. So that's why I wanted to just educate a little bit. So aside from this YouTube channel, what else do you do? What other side hustles do you have? So I started a real estate business where I'm starting to buy rental properties. I only started that last year. So now I have two rental properties and trying to double that every year as we go because obviously when the money was coming in i put a lot of money aside for taxes mm -hmm. and a lot of money to the side for investments mm -hmm. and whether it be like stock market or real estate i chose real estate because uh obviously when you make more money you pay more taxes and when i talk to my accountant they're like the best way to hedge against income is real estate because you could technically depreciate yeah. A whole house and make it look like on paper that you have zero income yeah. and then you pay the least amount of tax as possible and that's that's the play even though i'm not making as much now from side hustles at least i have the real estate to when it does happen again i'm already hedged against taxes yeah. and i feel like that's another part of like that money game that we were like talking about earlier. It's beautiful because when you own real estate, your tenants are helping you pay down the mortgage of the property. If mm -hmm. you have a mortgage, you're earning money through your tax savings because of the depreciation. And on top mm -hmm. of that, the interest that you pay on your mortgage, you're also saving money on that. And mm -hmm. the value of the property continues to go up while you're building equity. Yep. So it's just so many ways. Yep. It you're like triple dipping your uh, your net worth on that. That's the beauty of real it's estate, huge. man. And I've always wanted to get into real estate. And my goal is that once we start earning a lot more money from this YouTube channel, is that we're going to put some money aside so that we can invest in real estate. Yeah, might be a good thing. Okay, so how much are you earning from these properties that you have? So the properties right now, one is currently vacant. Uh, we just had a tenant leave, but that one, like I bought that house for like 
less than a hundred thousand dollars, like ninety six thousand dollars, and yeah, and it was renting for eight fifty a wow. month. So, so I was making, and then after like the mortgage is only four hundred bucks, so I was pocketing four fifty. Mm-hmm. But then you always have to like put money aside for things that yeah. will potentially break. When like right now, when uh, in between tenants, kind of thing, just fixing a few things. And then the other one I bought for one hundred and five thousand, and that's renting for a thousand dollars, and that mortgage is around six hundred, wow. and so I, I pocket four hundred on that. And but overall, like cash flow wise, probably like a thousand overall for over two houses, which technically could be my kids' retirement funds, <laughs> but for them, <laughs> where the heck are you buying these properties for such a low amount of money? Ohio. Really? Like Midwest. How did you come yeah. across buying property in Ohio? What was what was the reasoning behind that, and how are you managing them? So the reasoning behind that is how like kind of like what you're going you're talking about with your program. Mm-hmm. You kind of look at cost of living, mm-hmm. how much is a house, how much are people are making, and like I listen to a lot of podcasts, and the biggest real estate one is Bigger Pockets, and they talk about investing in real estate, like what we talked about depreciating and all the benefits of it. And then I was like, oh, I can't do that in New York. New York's so expensive. How, how am I going to do that? And then I started talking to more and more people. They started doing out-of-state investing. And I was like, how do I trust it? Like everything that you're probably questioning is like, how do you trust never seeing the property? I've never seen any of my properties, but it's a lot of talking to people over the phone, FaceTiming or Facebook Messenger, like realtors and property managers and really vetting people out to see if they fit your personality and if they're actually going to do the best for you. And a lot of it's like the referrals because the podcast was talking about bigger pockets. They yes. also have a forum where a lot of people reach out and a lot of them are kind of salesy, but you could kind of filter out who is actually genuine that wants to help you like create your wealth. And so like my realtor over there is also my property manager. She takes 10% of the rent for herself. So like she pays herself hundred bucks out of the thousand. Yeah. And then she takes care of everything, all the phone calls, all the <laughs> leaky faucets, toilets, everything. And all she has to do is send me an invoice of whatever might be fixed, yeah. needs to be fixed, or hopefully it's the month that nothing happened at all. And then it just feels good just to see something hit my bank account. And how many hours would you say you're putting in towards managing these properties per week? Like two hours. Wow. It's, yeah. it's, it's really, yeah. if you find someone you trust, mm-hmm then it helps out a lot. Like I, she's, I had two properties. She was the property manager of my second property. And the other one, I inherited a tenant there. That's the one that left and I inherited a property manager and that property manager was garbage. They were trying to like extort money. It felt like they, they overcharged this lady for rent. They, every kind of fix, they would only show me the highest estimate possible. Uh-huh. They'd send me like a screenshot like, oh, this is estimate three. I was like, so what happened to one and two? <laughs> They're like, oh, it, it, it was bad. So like, I had to get rid of them. Mm. It'd always be like the highest number. Oh, I thought I sent it to you. Like, no, you didn't. <laughs> and how much did you put down on each of these properties? Uh, like 20%. So one since the $96,000 oh. house was only like maybe like 20000 yeah. like a little bit less than twenty. And then the other one was like 25000 Where $45,000, you can get two properties. Damn, man, that's awesome. And like <laughs> I always talk about with my wife, if, if we were to do it over mm-hmm. again, like, our, like here – if we did it in New York, mm-hmm. we probably should have just did like a FHA loan, like 3.5% down. And then every year, just get as many houses as you can. And then imagine owning like a $500,000, $600,000 house mm-hmm. or having control over it for only putting down like 10 grand. Like yeah. insane, insane amount of wealth that yeah. you could 
you could build. See, after we purchased our house, that's all I could think about is, damn, why didn't we go with an FHA loan? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and it's like, shouldn't your broker talk to you about these things? You know, like, but no, right? they don't. You know, it's it's unfortunate. They just say, oh, look, you make a lot of money. This yeah. is you should put down twenty because yeah. uh, PMI. But if you look at PMI, it, it's not sig- like not that yeah. significant. Maybe it's like an extra hundred bucks. Yeah, it is. I get it exactly. if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, but for two people that have wives or nurses too, it's it's not hard to come by a hundred bucks yeah so when is your plan to buy another property um after tax season because Mm -hmm. i'm waiting on my tax bill Mm -hmm. because i guess we could go into that too Mm -hmm. because since made too much money last year all right let's talk about it (laughs) made made way too much money last year from youtube Mm -hmm. since it was like around ten thousand dollars a month so over over a hundred thousand dollars from that and then i was trading stocks and crypto i cashed out over two hundred fifty thousand dollars from that you cashed out two hundred and fifty thousand yeah holy crap dude (laughs) and then i got like real estate and then all all this stuff so the tax bill is going to be huge. Well, it shouldn't be too crazy because I was able to tax loss harvest stuff. Yeah. So I have enough money in the bank to potentially pay everything. Mm. So it'll all matter how much is left after that because obviously I need my emergency fund just to make myself feel good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then making sure I have... I always I have emergency fund for that. I have to make sure that each business bank account like the one for real estate has its own emergency fund. And then whatever I want to do for my YouTube and social media, because obviously I'm not making enough from it. If I need to spend on equipment or anything that might help me with like getting it back, I need to put money in there. So after all that, then I'll see what I'm going to go for. But I also have a HELOC on my primary residence of like $150,000 that I could use to buy a house. And then that'll pay itself back. I won't even have to dig out of my own pocket for that. So that's about $400,000 right there that you've got shoot and not and then not including the w2 of me and then me and my wife file tax together and her w2 as well so you could technically say you guys made like six hundred thousand. yeah you could technically say that i I look at my bank where's all the money yeah i know the feeling man i know the feeling jeez okay so how did you make this two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. break that down for me so like i I was telling you before it was super easy to make money off of like crypto at the time you could buy any small coin as long as you got there early enough by like being in like telegram that's how like mm. most crypto things are like telegram you be in that kind of see if it looks like you're at the beginning and then you just have to be not greedy and once you see like that crazy spike you sell that's true so i did that for like a lot of them for my biggest one is like i put like maybe a grand in and it came out with like a hundred grand off of it so it was like wow. it was like <laughs> one of those simple rocket ship ones when yeah. everyone's saying to the moon yeah i literally somehow got on some like coattails and yeah. rode something to the moon like so like Obviously, it's not sustainable because it's not going to It's very speculative, right? Super speculative. More than half of them go to zero Mm -hmm. after like the first month. So if you're in it too long, like your friend, consider the money gone. Mm -hmm. It's it's gone. Mm -hmm. And then the other ones, uh, a lot of stock trading Mm -hmm. where the stock trading isn't exactly like AMC or GameStop stuff. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of like covered calls and cash secured puts. Do you Uh, know any of that? Like the wheel strategy where it's like super low risk. Because you actually own, let's say you actually own a hundred stocks. So you're doing covered calls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Covered calls or you have a hundred shares worth of cash. And then in doing so, like the market pays you ridiculous amounts of money to do it. Like I'm doing it right now with like Tesla and 
you're making like 4% a week. So at the end of the month, 16%, and then the year you're up like 160% on the cash. Is your wife on board with you on all of this? And has she always been on board? Um, <laughs> well, so it, at first, no, okay. at first, no. But then when we got married and since I've always been trading since, uh, like I told you, since I started working, once I started getting a paycheck, I was like, uh, I don't want to get like $1,100 yeah. in two weeks. How could I make this a little bit faster? So of course I had a lot of growing pains, mm -hmm. but once we got like engaged and then the money question started asking like, Oh, how are you getting the money and all that? I was like, Oh, like, cause she noticed I'm ne I was never doing overtime. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I, I trade on the side. So I started showing her like how much I was making. And then she was like, <laughs> once I started doing that, and then the trust started to be there, especially if I not only showed my wins, but I also showed my losses. I think that's huge in any relationship, being like completely honest, yeah. be like, yeah, I was up like say 10 grand, but then I also lost seven grand. So we're net mm -hmm. three or this month I was negative, but it, 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 I think it all just comes with honesty and then just showing you know what you know what you're doing and then now she's fully on board with everything that we've been doing because especially with the taxes stuff yeah. like like obviously like that hurts her heart knowing that we used to get like five to six grand back in taxes yeah. and now we're gonna pay like 40 grand <laughs> no, <laughs> so, <but laughs> you you're paying because you made a lot so yeah, it's exactly. not like some people they're so excited to see a refund but they're making yeah, a lot less. that was just a free loan to the <laughs> exactly <government. laughs> exactly so what is the highest value of all your investments at the peak three million dollars oh god I, I can show you. I'll, I'll send you a screenshot. Okay. I'll send you a screenshot of it. It'll hurt. Oh, man. And it how hurts. long did you hold on to it before you realized, okay, maybe I should sell it? Like two days too late. Like oh, a week really? too late. Wow. Yeah. Like once that crash happened, I was Was, I was this Doge? And I, what was this? No, uh, there was uh, like Shiba Inu. There oh, okay. was like Saitama. There was, oh. all, there was like all these like coins that like they're still doing okay, but they're not anywhere near those all-time highs. Mm -hmm. But the thing that sucked is like, like I said, I'm like, I'm charge nurse all the time or yeah. I'm in the room. And sometimes I just didn't have my phone on yeah. me. And like, I don't want to be on my phone like that all the time. Mm -hmm. But then I hear all my like physicians and all my friends. Oh my God, everything's crashing. <laughs> I was like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? <laughs> and then I started seeing, I was like, oh my oh, God, man. where'd my money go? Yeah. But like, it's, it's like, I feel like that's the biggest thing. It's, it's not your money until you cash out. Yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. It's never yours. Yeah. It's just a, a number that makes you feel good. <laughs> it's like, it I know. Hurts. I know Graham Stephan interviewed this one guy before Elon Musk did his Saturday Night Live appearance. Mm -hmm. And he had, I think, over $2 million in Doge at the time. He had only invested like $100,000, but I think it was his entire life savings. And, you know, mm -hmm. he's he's telling Graham Stephan, you know, I'm taking it to the moon, holding on to yeah. his, his crypto. Holding right. on for dear life. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Elon Musk went on Saturday Night Live, and right after he finished that episode, Doge just tanked and continued. And now I believe his coins are worth like, I don't know, like $150,000, maybe less than that. But had he sold at the time, he would have been worth, you know, over $2 million. If I sold, I wouldn't, uh, I probably wouldn't be working as an agent. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You'd have all of that in real estate right now, man. Okay. So now we know that you could have retired with $3 million. Let's talk about your net worth. Do you know what your current net worth is? Like currently it's around like a little bit over 500,000. Okay. And yeah. what does that consist of? Uh, so the re real estate and stocks and yeah, real estate, stocks, crypto, all of that. 
put together minus all the debt is around like 500,000. And how much do you pay per month on all of your expenses? Um, so like I said, like me and my wife are both nurses. So we had this plan that my parents also did as well, where one takes care of the mortgage and one takes care of like the utilities. So luckily enough that we make a similar amount from our W2 jobs where I only have to worry about the mortgage of like 3,500. And then she takes care of all the utilities and like food and whatever else. But obviously with the more money that from my side being made from all the other businesses, I started taking more and more of like the, those utility bills off of her hands so she could focus more on like just making sure the kids got what they need kind of thing. So if I was to put a number on it, so 3,500 for mortgage, maybe like four grand, that's my side of expenses for just living. And I live a very simple life, so like nothing fancy. And how much do you guys pay on all your other utilities? Do you have a car payment? Um, So utilities wise, probably around like another three grand-ish because electric, heat, water, and we just bought a truck like we don't other than mortgages we didn't have any debt until we just bought a truck but that's also a business expense as well like it's half personal half business so which is crazy too because when we're asking for interest rates even though i have just under 800 credit score my wife has an 832 the interest rate was 7.7 percent oh man <laughs> and we're like how is what? that possible yeah we're like can we talk to anyone else they they're like, this is the lowest we could go. So, and it was too late in the day to go ask other banks. So I just signed the paperwork, got the loan. But once I opened the account with the whatever bank, I just went there and just paid it off. I was like, I'm not gonna oh. let, I'm not gonna let the bank make eight grand off yeah. of a twenty three thousand dollar loan. So you paid <laughs> like, off the whole twenty three thousand. All of it. Damn, dude. That's that money like, from crypto you made. <laughs> <laughs> That's really it. Money can't buy happiness, but it could solve a lot of problems. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I agree. So how much are you guys actually making per month? Because you said you're making about $1,000 a month from your properties. And, and right now, you, you don't have a tenant in one of them. But let's say $1,000 a month from that. You're making $3,200 every two weeks, which is like $6,400 a month on your side. And then your wife is also making about $6,400. So you guys are making, and then that doesn't even include, you said you're doing covered calls. Yeah. Which is like another, like, let's say another thousand dollars a week. Yeah. So you guys are bringing in at least $16,000. You know, I never actually calculated that. And no. that's, it's like blowing my mind. Right yeah. Now. Like, yeah. No, like, for like, New York standards, like that's pretty like, damn good, shit. man. Yeah, because like I've never uh, <laughs> really did that math. You're a finance never, guy, and you never that. actually calculated. Like, I, only, I only looked at my own. I never added my wife's to it. What? I was like, oh, you damn, guys are married. You're supposed to include both. <laughs> yeah, no. no. She's she's a strong, independent woman, and she likes yeah. control of her money. So I, I never ask about it. I see. I see. But if you run out of money, she's going to have to support you one way or another. So <laughs> it's going to be combined yeah. finances by that time. Yeah. So, but uh, combined though, it's about $16,000 if you, if you take a look at it that way. Yeah. I, yeah. You could give or take. So it's a good amount of money. Yeah. yeah. And like the thing is we live like super frugally too. So that helps like other than the truck, that's like a business car pretty much that we yeah. don't use as often. Pretty much we, we got it for the tax write-off yeah. because it's like a $60,000 truck. And last year was the last year of bonus depreciation. Oh. So since I did a lot of stuff with business and made a lot of money, I needed to bring that tax liability as low as possible. So a truck helps that. Yeah. But she had a paid off. She has a paid off 2016 CRV and I have a paid off 2004 Honda Pilot wow. with like 250,000 miles on it. Like I run Ooh. my cars to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, that's so gonna be us. Imagine never having to pay for a car payment. Like it's, people are, uh, people like some of my coworkers are paying like a thousand dollars a month yeah. 
for car payments. And oh I'm man, like, dude. For what? Yeah. You drive to like, work and back. <laughs> there's this guy that I watch. I don't know if you heard of it, Valuetainment. It's on, I've, it's on YouTube. I've watched a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, he can get political at times, but when he's not mm -hmm. talking purely politics, it's really interesting the stuff that he talks about because he talks about like the other day he was talking about public school versus private school and why you're actually paying more for public school than you are for private school. He also then compared what someone was paying just a few years prior to the pandemic on their car payments versus how much they're paying now because the cost of a car has gone up. It, I think it was something like, let's say 30000 for a car back then. It's now something like forty to 43,000, the yeah. average price. Don't quote me on the numbers, but it's something like that. And people's income has not, you know, gone up in the same manner. Yeah. And then if you take that into account, as well as the fact that interest rates are much higher now, people are paying almost twice as much when you had a payment of, let's say, $450 a month for the same car. That car today is going to be about $900 a month. Jeez. Yeah, because the interest rate is higher and the car is more expensive than it used to be. Double. Yeah, double. Insane. You know, so like to have a car payment, people don't realize that actually takes up a, a large chunk of your monthly budget so if there's and it's any just way... the flex culture that's really it like yeah. no one really needs yeah the craziest car out there yeah. everyone just wants to show off to the next person and that lifestyle creep that really kills people's money yeah and it's sad and some people learn that the hard way like me and monica you know we bought a volvo xc90 and that was like a seventy thousand dollar car and before that car i was the only one working and we had a chevy spark which is a small car we paid like fifteen thousand dollars for it so when we got our Volvo initially I was like damn this is a lot of money like why did we pay this much for this car and when we paid it off we both told ourselves this is the last time we're ever going to buy a car this expensive and if we ever buy a car that's expensive like this we're going to pay it in cash because having a car payment we were paying $1,270 a month Dang. on that car holy yeah <laughs> no <laughs> and that was with a 2.9 percent interest rate dang like perfect interest rate yeah I but know. that's the thing like we're we were just talking about like learning from experience like i'm not gonna say i never bought an expensive car before mm -hmm. like one of my first cars i bought was like a fully loaded like lancer evo because i was all into like the fast and furious stuff <laughs> yeah but then like after driving into the city like twice i was like why did i do this yeah <laughs> like forty five thousand dollar manual exactly. car <laughs> driving in new york city yeah like what what was i thinking <laughs> <laughs> yep Totally agree. So do you know what the largest amount of debt is that you've been in? It's only like I've I've personally never had debt. Mm -hmm. My wife still has student loans. And the only, the only debt that we currently have are the mortgages. So um, right now, I guess that would be our largest mm -hmm. debt. And that would be around like $500,000 of debt mm -hmm. because we have a little bit less than 400,000 on our house mm. and both rental properties are around like 60, 70,000. So. so how much is your primary residence worth? Uh, have you looked at the most recent? Yeah, period? so we just, uh, since we got our HELOC, we had to get it appraised. Mm -hmm. So we bought the house for 555. Mm -hmm. And then when we got our HELOC on it, so we had to get it appraised, it appraised for like 715 to 720,000, mm -hmm. 720,000. Wow. Yeah. So like, or, big chunk of chains of equity just for the appreciating times because everyone was trying to buy a house yeah. at that time. Makes so sense. that's huge. And when did you get your HELOC? Uh, August of last year. So the interest was, rate was yeah. still relatively low. It wasn't like extremely high, was it? Yeah. So like the best thing, like if you wanted to go into it, like the best thing for like HELOCs, you don't go to a big bank. Mm -hmm. You go to a, like a middle, small bank. So we have like a Trusco bank here mm -hmm. and they're, they have a, like a, 
a beginner rate, like the first year is a locked 2.9%, oh. even though the interest rates at the time were like five. And then after that, then it goes to like prime rate after the first year. But technically, if you pay down whatever you use on your HELOC after the first year, you can just refinance your HELOC yeah. and just keep getting the 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 first introductory really? rate over and over again, which yeah. I didn't know. Like that. there's there's hacks, man. Yeah. There's sex. You need to talk about finance guys. You need to talk about this on your YouTube channel. I I should. I should. You really should. I should. I see. There's a lot of gems that you gave us in this video. You really need to make videos about these kinds of things. I I should. Just, I don't know. I know. (laughs) I know you want to focus. Yeah, it does. It takes a lot of time. (laughs) It does, man. And then you also have to give them correct figures. You don't want to be making videos and you're just talking out of your. I don't want to say the word, yeah. but that's why my videos take so long to make because I actually have this research behind it. Mm-hmm. So it can take me an entire week just to find all the data that I need for my videos. So, yes. all right. So what advice would you give anyone who's wanting to get into your line of work or start side hustles the same way that you did? So to get into nursing, I think is probably the best profession you could probably get into. Like if you want something that's fulfilling and you want something that gives you the time to focus on things outside of work, nursing is 100% it. Who like Where else can you get a job where you work three days a week and you have technically three to four days of trying to figure out what can you do to make your life a little bit better or make a little bit more money? So like, honestly, if you have it in you to be a healthcare provider, I would go into nursing. Do you need to go into CRNA or NP? I personally don't think so because I... I dropped out of NP school because I didn't think the money was worth it or the time was worth it for me because you just have to really like it. But then if you want to go into side hustles, you can't look for the get rich quick thing because if you do that, your attention span for it isn't going to be there. If you're looking for a get rich quick thing, that means you're not really in it for the right reasons and you're probably not going to succeed in it because I've always believed in whatever you give to the world, the world gives back. So it's one of those things. If you're going to give your all to something outside of your W-2, make sure it's something you really want want to do as cliche as it sounds like pursue a passion of some sort then you don't really have to work because if you're doing something you love outside of work at least you know you're stable from the work aspect and then you could work on that craft as much as you want right outside that's where like it it always leads back to being blessed that i am a nurse because of the time schedule hopefully i answered the question you did i feel like i ramble nah you did (laughs) and for those people that you know we mentioned your youtube channel previously but i want you to mention it again because you're going to start providing some gems for these people okay (laughs) hopefully hopefully <laughs> yes you you know i did look at some of your videos and you do have some interesting topics in there but i want you to expand on some of those topics because i would suggest that you make slightly lengthier videos and go really in depth into some of these topics i mean you could even read articles if that's what it takes you know like read some articles to illustrate your topic that's true because i i do see that often especially with that valuetainment channel he started doing that a lot how he gets his material is he subscribes to the wall street journal And then he'll just talk Mm -hmm. about all these topics that are on the Wall Street Journal. And he'll literally just read like the entire article Article, or like parts of the article. And then he'll expand on it, which is, you know, like if it just find articles you're interested in and that, you Mm -hmm. know, the topic. Go into it. Exactly. Yeah. That's smart. Thank. I appreciate the tips. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So tell everybody what your channel is so they can find you. So on YouTube, it's Brian Makes Benjamins. Super simple, all one word. Same thing on Instagram. All right, guys, that's it for this video. If you enjoyed this video, hit the like button, subscribe to this channel, and make sure you watch our previous Road to Fire videos because I'm sure you guys are going to love those too.